yo, 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 what is up? <laughs> it is PGTV here with you today. I am joined by two fabulous people. Fabulous. Oh, man. We're and fabulous. You're fabulous. Oh, okay. Are you... Wait, are you too old for me to do a high school musical reference like the original high school musical because i was like three when that came out so you must have been like 13 i mean i know that it exists okay i think that you are the only one of the three of us that has actually watched it i've only seen the second one to be what? fair the second one is the better one <laughs> my my grandparents on my dad's side bought me a copy of it like the zach they thought i was the into it one. hold on yeah they thought i was into it and i was like i have never is been there, a high school musical Is there fan any lore life. that you need to know going from one to two? No. Yes. Yeah. You got to <laughs> learn that the two people are dating, and that's basically that's established it. in two. Yeah, but, like, you need to know how they got there. You got to know why Troy likes music. Mm, karaoke. It's not karaoke. It's because he does a play for the girl he likes. He does a play to get puss. That's his entire gimmick. But they got together yeah, he's at got, karaoke. He's, he's, yeah, they fell in love Riz. for karaoke. Or Pliz. Does he have... Ew. I was about to say, does he have high school Riz? But then I realized that is just wrong. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure high school Riz is just nervously walking up to a girl be like, I'm feeling like you. What the fuck are we talking about? High school music. No idea. So, guys, it is the latest episode of PGTV coming straight into your ear holes. And today is another edition of PGTV at the movies. We are going to go through this concept until it is buried and dead in the ground, but it is not there yet. So, guys, what movie did we cover this week? Inception. Inception. Why'd you say it like Chris Jericho? Inception. I felt like it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, we're here. We support you and uh, we hope you go through this journey. Thanks. So, Inception. But, JP, what is Inception? So, Inception is this, like, how can I explain it? It's like a dream within a dream. That's exactly what it is. Oh, I hate you. No, okay, so, in, Inception's a movie by Christopher Nolan that came out in 2010, I believe. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Am I right on that one? Yeah. yeah. All right. So... Inception is basically uh, Chris Nolan's latest movie after the uh, the Dark Knight, right? And uh, he teams up with. He hasn't worked uh, since. What? Sorry, you said it was his latest. Oh yeah, his latest in, in ten years ago, <laughs> thirteen years ago. Oppenheimer but, didn't uh, happen. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was his movie that happened after the Dark Knight. So he gets uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he gets uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Elliot Page. He's got, uh, oh man, I can never remember the guy's name, but he's the Asian guy that's in Godzilla. Uh, oh, I'll get it eventually. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Tom Hardy's in it, uh, which is his first time the teaming up with Tom Hardy until uh, Dark Knight Rises, you know? And uh, there's just, you know, whole bunch of uh, uh, great, cool uh, little bits in there. He, Michael Caine is in it and uh, does a really cool job. Um, but... The whole movie is basically surrounding the concept of dreams. So uh, dream logic, uh, stealing dreams, uh, like it's almost like uh, if you've ever seen the movie Casino or um, Heat, it's like it's a heist movie, but within a dream. So uh, and then there's levels to it. We'll get to all of that because I know that Xander's got a huge uh, synopsis. 
Yes. She does. <laughs> Are we yeah. going to do our weekly check-ins? That's what I was going to transition into. We will get to the Inception movie talk analysis. Sp- spunkle. <laughs> What, Don't when ever. No, you <laughs> lost privilege. No, okay, so <laughs> weekly check-in. Xandra, how was your week? Oh, my week was uh, weird. Um, like it's <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean something? I don't know. Okay. No, it's just spunk is, you know. Okay. Riz with an yeah. extra letter and without one letter. Yeah. No, oh, that's not. <laughs> so, Yo, anyways. that young boy got some spunkle in him. Stop. Oh, God. Okay, so I've been like, uh, what's the word? Depressed? I, I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Agon- I've been agonizing over getting a new car. Oh. Because I kind of need a new car. Because mine keeps is, breaking down. Yeah. Well, it, is is old. it finally that time? Melissa's old. She's almost like old enough to drink. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Ugh. well yeah, over no, two hundred thousand miles. You no, know, my car is old yeah. enough to serve in the army. So, uh, you know what's funny? Those two, one is has to be younger to do the other. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, mine is about to age out of <laughs> Epstein's Island. Like it's getting there. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, Whoa. I regret this metaphor. <laughs> I regret this way of describing our vehicles. <laughs> you're like Miranda. What was her name? Miranda? Melissa. Melissa? Uh, you're like, man, Melissa's so old that she's she experienced How old is not- she? 20. She's 20? So she, oh, she's, so she was born when I was born. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. D- depending on the well, manufacturing date, you might be older than her car. 20? Yeah, it's 2023. So low key, I kind of forgot how birthdays work. <laughs> kind of crazy. Every, everyone is five two times. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Great call. Um, I want to stick with a Honda, but uh, I was looking at cars directly from the Honda dealership, and any the cheapest new car that they have is like just out of affordability for me. Mm. And it sucks. What was that well, the well, like? Uh, was it another Civic, or was it like an Accord? What type of car was it? I don't remember. I just remember the, the cheapest one out of all the options for Honda. Was it over twenty five grand? It's between twenty two and twenty five, but the car payment would almost be like four hundred dollars a month. Is it brand new or is it like pre owned? Brand new. Brand oh, dude, you got to go with the pre-owned. Yeah, I was, Honestly, that's what I wanted if, to do, but... If I would recommend anything, okay, and the car that I have actually came from CarMax uh, over 10 years ago, and that bitch is still kicking. So I would at least consider that because, I mean, I think that car, uh, my mom got it when it had like 12,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. and uh, I think she ended up paying like just about $12,000 for it. And that was, I mean, granted, that was in, like, 2013. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no, uh, CarMax has a really good warranty on it. They'll fix anything as long as it's, like, within that warranty period, which is, I believe, two years. That's so, the same with Honda. Yeah. But uh, it's cheaper than actually buying from the dealership, so. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I would do that or look at like uh, any of like the used car lots around town. Some of them are pretty I'm good. I'm against used car lots around town though, or like the bigger ones, because like my current car is from Doug Justice. Her shit is fucked. Her shit yeah, is no, so don't fucked. Don't go to Doug Justice. I've, I've heard horrible stories from there. Well, I'll... Or, or don't ever go to airport auto sales because I got a car from there and it lasted me about six months. Or old Ben Franklin Motors. Oh, dude, they'll rip your yeah. uh, genitals out and feed them Allegedly. to you and call it a bonus. Promise? I don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. He's like, joke's on you. I'm into that shit. Don't yep. threaten me with the good time. hey <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I've been agonizing over that. And then that uh opportunity I told you guys about off air, uh, I found out that that's happening the day after my birthday, so I will not be going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sucks because that's like low key family, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The day after my fucking birthday. That is Damn. sad, but yeah, you know, it happens and. I think I I can speak for myself uh, when I say awesome or I'm sorry, Um, (laughs) depending on how you personally feel about the situation. I know you kind of gave us some insight off offline. And so depending on how you're feeling, we we are in corners and it sucks that they're leaving so soon. But I mean, I was really kind of leaning towards no anyway. So Mm -hmm. Mm. But uh, I've also been trying to think about what to do for my birthday, and I have no fucking idea. Um, have you tried uh, uh, getting plastered? I do that on the regs, man. Getting double plastered? That would kill me. Then birthday? Have I considered <laughs> dying on my birthday? <laughs> I mean, it would be flamboyant. I mean, we have said the time is a flat circle. Yeah. I don't think so, I've said that. Well, I was thinking about, like, getting myself we, a hotel room or something. Somebody on the pod, it's, it's me, and I've said that. Okay. <laughs> well, you said it now, so. Anyway, birthday plans? I was thinking about, like, getting a hotel room. Beat up a room. homeless man. No. I wouldn't want to do that any day of the year. Why not? You pay him. What What if the homeless man is attacking you? Yeah. What if I he's mean, like? If it's self defense, then yeah. But like, what if he's like, I'm oh, coming so for your socks? So you heard it here first. Xandra wants to beat up a homeless man. Okay. Wow. I kind of respect that. I don't talk to you guys. It's a, it's a weird stance, but, you know. I'm, I do respect sure it, that. though. That's a power move. Actually, um, I sidebar, so this new job that I got, I was walking, like, around the area of it um, the day before my first day so I could, like, get used to it. And um, I was, like, going to look in the building, and there was someone sleeping in, like, this little walkway, and I got scared, and I went home. Yeah, it'd be like that. So, welcome to downtown, my guy. So, are, what are like some of the things you're thinking about doing for your birthday? As I've tried to say three times now, I was thinking about getting a hotel room for a night, like one with like a jacuzzi tub, because I've been dying to be in a hot tub for like over a year, and it just hasn't happened. That's a, like an oddly specific. I love being in a hot tub. I love being boiled like a lobster. Put me in a giant pinch. Put me in a giant pot. <laughs> Turn on the heat. I love it. It's like sous vide for your body. Yeah. Yeah. Like so. What? What? Uh. What? Like so? You want to get a place? Like j- just like for you for the night? Just like have like a day of like Zan to Zan R and R. Yeah. 
pretty much. That's not bad. Yeah. It's a very grown up, uh, a grown up thing to want. And I feel like the older that I get, the more that I want something like that. So, yeah, no, I can respect it 100%. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing that or taking myself to main event. And because I've never been and like bringing my own headphones so I don't have to listen to other people. Yeah, that that I I would suggest that because main event is pretty dope because you got laser tag, you got bowling, you got pool, there's a bar. Um, there's a VR headset. There's a bunch of arcade shit. So if you just want to f- go and like feel like a kid and just be like, ah, wonder, you know. I love arcades anyway. So yeah, but they're not like like a classic arcade. It's like one of the newer arcades where it's like, oh, you got to get on the bike to actually you no, know, know drive the bike or whatever. Or like, I oh, like you got to yeah, which is you know, it's a fun place. I enjoyed it. That's where I went uh, after prom, and that's I remember that more than the actual prom. Nice. So yeah. Yeah, those are some things I'm thinking about, and I'll probably end up at the Cheesecake Factory at some point because that's Dude, where che- I go every year Factory for my birthday. Cheesecake Factory is legit. I get an espresso martini legit. and tiramisu cheesecake. I still need to try that espresso martini. You guys have said that a couple of times, or I think at least Andrew has, and it seems interesting. DJ is not old enough to drink, so yeah. Yeah, it. it he would. also doesn't like coffee that much, mm, if at all. That's all right. That's okay. I, I didn't have, know that one. It's just I have a I have a high blood pressure right now, so I gotta try to work that down. Why do you have high blood pressure? So like when I went into it, I got a physical for this new job, and mm-hmm. like they were doing all this stuff, and they're like, "She, I love the lady who did it because she's like, okay, here is what like everything told me, and she's like, so you have high blood pressure. Normally that's expected, like this high number, this top number here is like if you have nerves, which we expect, but this bottom number is a little high." So, like, if you drink a lot of, like, caffeine or something, you might just want to stay away from that for a bit and also go, like, talk to your doctor and see. And I'm like, oh, did I pass? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's all I need as long as I passed. So, yeah. I I think that's hilarious that you have to do that to work at the utility board. Well, I mean, like, it is, but also, like, my eyesight is apparently super weird because, like, on the eye scores – it was like, oh, one eye did worse than the other, but then on the same test twice, that eye did way better than the other eye. So she's like, I don't know what's going on with your eyes, but you need to talk to your doctor. And I'm like, I it just... It might be related to your high blood pressure. I think it might be related to the fact that I'm an idiot, you know? That usually doesn't play a part, but okay. But you know what's crazy? There was this little box, right, that you had to do a little hearing test for. Like, mm-hmm. you get in this little box and you put on these headphones... And I'm, like, sitting there waiting for the test to start, and I, like, had this really bad thought that I'm, like, man, I just, I could never leave this box. I'd be happy. It's, like, so tiny and comfortable. I, I just could not, I just don't want to leave. I think we need to get you in a sensory deprivation tank. I think that I would love to do something like that. It would be so cool. Now, yeah. I, the demons would get too loud then. I'd, I'd, I'd come, like, you open the door and you just hear me, like, uh, what's blood? Are you screaming with reverb? Blood curdling, <laughs> blood curdling screams. So I, I don't think I, I have the heart for it, but I do want to try it. So, but PGTV goes to a <laughs> sensory deprivation. <laughs> PGTV goes to the sensory deprivation chamber. It's just it's the longest name for a podcast ever. Yeah, we should have a podcast in the sensory deprivation chamber. It just defeats like, the whole purpose. It doesn't. It's like it doesn't. Just be like, guys, 
kind of freaking out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, birthday plans. Are you leaning one way or another? I kind of want to do all three, but that might be like a little too much. Do it. Do it. You are. Do it. Still young. You can do it. (laughs) What does me being young have to do with it? You can still do it. I couldn't do that. How many 50-year-olds do you see at main event? You can't go to main event at the Cheesecake Factory in a hotel room? <laughs> no, because kids, uh, dairy, oh, yeah. allergies, uh, like all this stuff <laughs> that, that I didn't like, have when I was that's younger. That's not because you're like older or anything. Uh, I didn't have it when I was younger. <laughs> I mean, the laser I tag, I feel like if you're like 50 and you go to the main event and try to do laser tag, you're I'm at a disadvantage. I'm not going to do laser tag alone. And a retina. Wow, you got, you got a team. Of oh. strangers. Yeah, but you got to like. Gotta fuck these kids over, you know? Gotta, Not gotta, with strangers. Gotta hold their head and like shoot their little chest with a laser gun. Gotta be like, bang, bang, get all the points and shove them out of the way. If I had friends on my team, then yeah. Hell yeah. We're get doing laser knives and just be cutting people's throats. Oh, that would be so sick. Oh, have you seen the Britney Spears vi- video that she just released? Like, no. pretty recently? Mm-mm. So you know how Britney Spears has kind of gone insane? She's getting a divorce. Yeah. Like no, oh, she's going insane. Like she, she's going insane. Like she but she's also, to getting, also a getting a divorce. <laughs> I yes, feel like you can be doing both. They are not mutually exclusive. That's not what I. That's not what I meant by when I said she's getting a divorce. In a way, you know how like uh when like she does like she'll dance on like Instagram. Like she'll do a yeah, post yeah. and she dances. I had to unfollow her on Instagram because it was getting a little much. Little little spicy. Because it was when she was like doing those weird. Uh, videos of her in like the bathtub with like the tiniest trickle of water. Yeah, so um, creepy. One of her most recent ones had her dancing with n- knives in her hands. Nice. No. And she was just dancing, like with these knives in her hands, and everyone's like, "Dude, what is going on with Britney Spears? We should be concerned." Like, I mean, it, all up in her comments, or in the comments after or before. She started turning off comments on her posts. That was so hard to get out of my brain. I'm so sorry. but uh, We forgive you. Okay. <laughs> like, people would be coming back after each new post to, like, talk under these other, like, last posts. And re- had all types of conspiracies. Like, the conservatorship never really ended. And that's why she was, like, being so crazy. And uh, a bunch of other stuff. That wow. it wasn't really her, that it was like a clone, you know. The huge. What's all this clone talk, man? We made how, a. Clone. How did we get? How do we get <laughs> onto the topic of Britney Spears's conservatorship? Like I, I, I've been listening this entire time, and I have no idea how to trace back. I feel like I literally just woke up in the middle of a dream, which is very <laughs> weird because of what we're going to be talking about later. But that's not supposed to be a segue just yet. It. How did we get here? Why are we talking about Britney Spears? brought it up. Oh, yeah. I just thought it was crazy. Because you were talking about laser knives. And I brought up knives. Okay. All right. See, now now I've seen point B and C, and now I know how we got to D. This point. (laughs) So, anyway, what else happened throughout the week? That's kind of it. Like, I've been working a lot. You know. We do. We do know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm probably going to be in overtime this week. So that's nice. Bro, it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> Our pay period ends on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Happy come uh, Tuesday. We get okay. paid every week. 
Nice. Yeah. Nice. Must be must be cool. I get paid on the 15th and 30th and it sucks, but it's fine. Oh yeah, I'm going to start a pay thing like that which is not going to be optimal. So that's what? <laughs> I'm going to start a pay payment process like that where oh. I get paid two get times a month. Yeah. Not bi-monthly, bi-weekly, but it'll be like twice a month. Bi-weekly is fine. No, bi-weekly, I don't like it. you can sometimes have three pay periods in a month. Yeah, but I don't like that. Okay. I want like weekly. I want to be able to have like a look at my account and be like, okay, well, how much do I got to pay this week? How much do I got? How much do I got? I'll look and I'm like negative four. Okay, how can I stretch this? <laughs> All right, so that <laughs> means I that I can just... in the negative? <laughs> I can just owe $1 a day for the next four days, and then I'll be back to zero. Cool. It's like you just put $1 in the bank. You just go up and put it right under the mat or whatever. Just be like, it's for me. Here you go. <laughs> it's a sticky note on it that says for Deej. <laughs> they know me as Deej. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's Deej. That's his dollar. Don't lose that. <laughs> it's a Deej buck. <laughs> It's my face. I chopped out. Uh, who's on the dollar bill? George Washington. I just put my face on his. I I give him a picture with every dollar. That's why I'm broke. I keep spending money on pictures. Yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, JP. <laughs> I was sure. Did, you forget? Did you forget his Did you forget name? My name? No, I forgot whether uh, you had anything else. But you said that was it. No, I'm good. Okay, JP. How's your week? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been great, you know, um, just killing it again. Uh, but I, <laughs> Xandra has a side to this story that she'll also uh, tell us. But my Snapchat got hacked. Uh, I haven't used Snapchat in like a year and a half, something like that. And it's uh, not been that long. Oh, it's not even been a year. Yeah, it's not well, been a year. roughly a year. It, it feels like it's been forever. Um, it's good. Like I, I'm, I'm good without it, but, um, uh, yeah. So apparently it got hacked and people that I know were reaching out to me being like, Hey bro, like, were you able to get in your car? And I'm like literally driving and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And come to find out apparently one of my friends, uh, that I hadn't talked to in a long time, sent me $70 on cash app to be able to pay for a locksmith that I didn't even know I needed. And uh, another person got scammed out of $80 and wasn't able to get it back, obviously. Uh, they were like being like, oh, yeah, don't worry about my old account. It my, my old Cash App account got jacked up. And so I sent it to this new one. And since somebody did and they're out of money. So I felt bad. I happened to see them at the grocery store later that day and was like, hey, that wasn't me. Sorry. And they were like, yeah, I know. Yeah, but they could probably yeah. So apparently they got you too, up. didn't they, Zan? So no, they didn't get me. Um, so I'm at work yesterday, right? And I see the little Snapchat thing pop up, and I'm like, "Oh shit, my boy's back on Snapchat. What up?" And uh, I open it, and it was just like, "Hey, are you busy?" I was like, "I'm at work, but what's up?" And uh, then it was the message asking for money, and I was like, "That's not JP." <laughs> immediately <laughs> like because if you had needed money you would have just called me <laughs> or yeah. messaged See, me on and that's, that's what i tell everybody i'm like why would i why would i do this like 
first off, I'm not like one to like straight up ask for money. And if I were, I would at least try and do it face to face or over like a phone call or something. And you would have been like, I am so sorry to ask, but like, I am broke as hell right now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, I haven't needed to ask anybody for money for a while, but like just the fact that this person went through and was like found like the most uh likely candidates for this and actually got a couple like that's some bullshit man yeah it's like crazy. these people are pretty good yeah, what's even crazier is that it was you locking your keys in your car which literally last week we were talking about the possibility of you locking your keys in your car and whether yeah, or not you yeah. had your spare and i was like I, I know this isn't JP, but, like, that's crazy. And I asked them to prove it was you, and they sent me a picture from the camera roll. Like, from the saved Snapchat shit. Oh. oh. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. Mm. Like, I wouldn't fucking know. Yeah, right. Like, your hair oh, was so much shorter in that picture, and I was just like... Nope. Good try. Yeah. See, that that's another thing. I like that I've kept my long hair, because uh, it's easy to be able to identify, like, which me you're getting, you know? And it's like, just a bunch of a different ponytail? JPs running around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but okay, cool. Yeah, so weekly check-in is a check. Now let's... Uh, we didn't talk about okay, DJ's so week. You what? We didn't talk about DJ's week. Well, dude, I thought we... What, was that not what I you basically, were saying? I basically covered my week through my sure? little introduction. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, eh, you know. Chilling. Do you, do you, you have anything say? that you would like to add? I mean, I quit my old job. I got a new job. That's practically. You got to carry it. around a paddle. I get to. Ca- I got to carry. I didn't tell you this. <laughs> so, uh, my last day at uh, my old job, the grocery job, was this past Saturday, and I'm like, I come in, I'm like, yeah, it's my last day. Sad. And my uh, the like sales manager or whatever came in. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm sad to see you go, but you know, good luck. And she came out with like this paddle. Like, apparently it was for, like, um, squishing jams or whatever, making jam. And she's like, yeah, uh, sad to see you go, but, you know, we'll miss you. And I'm like, can I have that paddle? And she's like, yeah, you can carry it around for the day. So for the my last shift, I got to carry around a paddle and just uh, stare at, like, these fucking kids working the cashier and just, like, stare at them like I'm going to kill them and just, like, slapping the paddle in my hand. You just did, slowly hold up the paddle into you just the look background. At the autistic kid that keeps like shouting the F slur. So fun fact, he got fired. Nice. So Yay. Uh, justice justice was served. <clears throat> A little late, but three months late, but Better what can you do? Never. And uh yeah. So now I'm moved from that job. I had my first day at my new job yesterday, which will be Monday, and uh it was fine. I got. You mean key- was? It was Monday. I I misspoke. I apologize. Yesterday, which will be tomorrow. Yesterday. Time is a flat circle, right? Yeah, that's. I hey, heard my friend say that. So, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, yeah, I get like a cubicle. Mm-hmm. There's a. It's like a pretty nice workplace. Uh, we're really high up in a building, which kind of frightens me, but we're okay. And uh, why does that frighten you? Uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know. Like. I'm fine We're in a past for 9/11. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's not it was it's cuz of 9/11. That's actually what I want to tell them. They're like, "Yeah, I'm just not comfortable working up on the 7th floor." And they're like, "Why?" I'm like, "9/11." I'm kind of kind of scared of 9/11, you know? Yeah. 
It'll happen. But no, uh, this new job will be exciting, and uh, I get paid more. It has better opportunities, and uh, it'll be fun. So, yeah, that's basically it for me, though. Uh, that was the weekly check-in, and I'm going to nod off to sleep so we all can get in the same dream. Inception. Okay. hey Spunkle. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So, all right. Where do we want to start? Do we want to do? Can you mute him? Can you mute him, please? You can't mute me. I quit. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no. All um, right. So, Xander, I I've got hella notes here about uh, the movie, and I'm be honest, I just finished watching it at this point about an hour ago, so... and it was great. And I have so many things to say, but I feel like. Judging from your Black Mirror uh, synopses, you are probably the better one of the three to be able to kind of take this boat and steer it into the water world of dreams. That's fine and thank you. But also, I just want to say, I was watching Inception till like 2 a.m. taking notes. Didn't even get through half the movie. And then I was like, I have to go to sleep because I had to work today. And yeah. uh I finished it uh, shortly before I left to come here. <laughs> nice. But I did nice. not finish my notes, but I remember most of it. So, yeah. All anyway. Right. So, I guess let's uh, let's take off. Uh, it's PGTV at the movies. Episode two. two. Electric Boogaloo. Exception. No, Electric Boogaloo is going to be episode three. That's what we're doing. I hope Is not. that a real movie? Yes. Breaking two electric boogaloo. That's where the joke comes from. I thought yeah, it was, was a movie called Breakin, which is I'm pretty sure a break. I'm gonna be honest. Movie. I thought it was from Goat Simulator. You thought the electric boogaloo bit was from Ghost Goat Simulator? Yeah. Wow. Uh, nah. That is. I think that. <laughs> I think that, do you know what Goat nah. Simulator is? Nice. Wait, JP, do you know what Goat Simulator is? Yeah. Okay, I was about <laughs> to say, I'm that's like. That's why I did. He's not out of touch. I'm not trying to say he's out of touch. I'm out of time. That's why I did the, the thing. The, but I'm out the, of nah. my head when you're not around. Anyway, Inception. You need to be in a boy band. I need to, I do. <laughs> like, I do. He's trying out for Big Time Rush. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. uh. <laughs> No, I'm going to do Boys to Men 3. <laughs> boys 3 Men. <laughs> boys Semen. <laughs> no! Mute him. Mute him. <laughs> You've lost speaking privileges. Damn it! <laughs> so, guys, one thing that I definitely did notice when watching Inception is that the meme of Christopher Nolan having shitty sound design is all too real. Did you guys uh, have yeah. to mm -hmm. constantly adjust volume up and down, up and down throughout the entire movie? Because I sure did. No, I just kind of like dissociated a little bit. I like had were, my volume down all the way and I turned on subtitles. Yeah. And it's I like I had it. the subtitles on and I had the I had it to like decent level for explosions. And then I relied on those subtitles for any and all dialogue. So I feel like because... I know that the Dark Knight did not have these issues. Like, but, I know that it didn't. And I want to say that it was this movie that started that whole, like, meme about things. Because yeah. I remember in the trailer that, like, blah sound. 
comes from inception it's mm -hmm. literally the scene where like the the city is like tilting on its axis to like yeah. kind of form like a t thing um that was where the bois noise comes from and so that was just one thing that i definitely noticed like literally straight out of the gate was the sound design is just like it's made for cinema not made to watch at home yeah uh did you watch it with earbuds or headphones no, no, no i was no, watching no. I it watched... with earbuds so i think that made it a little different because it wasn't that bad for me it wasn't great but it like was tolerable yeah, see, I would have, but I was watching it. I, if I would have been able to watch it on my Roku, I could have done private listening on my earbuds, but I was watching it on a Blu-ray player, so there's no uh, private listening there. Rip. Um, also, I hadn't noticed that this is just like one of those one last job movies, you know, like where yeah. it's like, I got to do one last job it's, and then I can finally hang it up. It's you know? philosophical Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I thought. It's like Ocean's Eleven, but in the brain. I wouldn't call it Ocean's Eleven. I mean, because like the thing is, you there's always no, got to fucking disagree. No, because there's no there's no Inception two with Ocean's Eleven. There was like one last job, and then it's like Ocean's Twelve, and then it was Ocean's Thirteen. She's talking about the original Ocean's Eleven with Frank Sinatra. That one didn't have a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's called Ocean's Eleven with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. How about you suck my bows? Anyway. I, he has more knowledge than me, so I just belittle him. So I doubt we want like a full Black Mirror-esque synopsis that I was giving because yeah. that would take way too fucking long. Way too long for a movie. However, uh, I think maybe the first 20 minutes of the film kind of require that because there's so much going on. Th there's a lot going on and a lot that we have to come back to at the end of the movie because mm -hmm. this is it's a Christopher Nolan movie. So he's going to show you the end of the movie first. And then the entire movie happens, and then we come back to the very uh, thing. So it's kind of like a TikTok in winter where it loops. Christopher Nolan invented TikTok. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> yeah. That's the third one. So does that sound good? Like for the yeah, first yeah, 20 yeah. minutes worth of film, do that? Okay. So we open on the crashing waves of a rocky shore. Leonardo DiCaprio, a.k.a. Dom, is lying face down on the shore with the waves lightly pulling back and forth between him. And he stirs to the sound of children playing and building sa sand castles. I almost said sound castles because we were talking about the sound design. <laughs> um, he loses consciousness right after we see him stir. And he like looks at the children. And then someone comes from behind him with a rifle, I guess is what it is. I don't yeah, know. What yeah, kind of it was a rifle. Is. Okay. Um, and he's just like jabbing him in the back and then lifts up his jacket to see a handgun. And then we cut to being inside a building in specifically a conference room with so many lanterns, just so like the lamps lanterns. in Shutter Island. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, we're picking movies that are way too similar to each other, but I'm here for it. The like, next one is going to be Land of a Thousand uh, Lanterns. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a real movie or not. I'm sorry. It's not. <laughs> Probably is. How do you know? I looked it up. When? Mm, two minutes ago. Okay. So we, we, we get into this conference room and there's this like old man. Like I'm Wait, talking no, like. We don't even know that yet. We don't even know he's old? <laughs> not yet. Not where I was. Because I was going to mention like the guards and stuff, but whatever. So there's guards. <laughs> and like the 
I was going to talk about like how they're facing away from like the viewer and stuff, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go there. We're we're already there. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, we are looking in this conference room with all the lanterns, and there's a guard at the door, and then this man sitting at the head of the table, but away from the camera. It's Roman Reigns because he's at the head of that. the table. <laughs> And he's our tribal chief. (laughs) We the ones. All right, I'm sorry. It's not Roman Reigns. I hate to burst your bubble. Damn it! (laughs) Um, And then two on the other side of the man at the table is someone standing slightly behind him, talking to him in Japanese, saying that they found a man who's delirious and then has the guard bring him what they found on him, which is a gun, and then the spinning top. Um, and then we see that this man is old AF at when he's, like, reaching for a glass of wine. And then they bring the man from the shore in, we find out, and they're having a conversation as he struggles to eat, which, why was he eating? Because he was hungry. Know. But yeah, like, he, in con- I, in context of the rest of the movie, why was he eating? It provides more realism. I well, mean, look at so Leonardo DiCaprio is eating because he's uh, washed up on the shore. Presumably, I mean, he looks like shit. Yeah, he, I mean, he, you know, like a Tom Hanks and Castaway. You know, like I've he's never just been seen exposed Castaway. To the- wow. I just I love how you can do that. I love how you can just shut him down. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's really funny. Man, once we get video, you're just gonna see all of JP's reactions. Yeah, I'll just be in the. I I I I don't even know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, but no. Okay, so he hasn't eaten, and he's just hungry, and uh, uh, he's been floating in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so bad. I didn't mean to just like shut you down. No, it's fine. It's fine. I should know better than to think that you've seen movies. <laughs> But anyway, I do think an interesting point is that you did mention that they did touch that spinning top, which should come back later in the movie with some context. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, at this point, it's been 13 years since that movie came out. They're technically, technically, like once we get through all of this, are they in Dom's subconscious or are they in Fisher's subconscious? Or Saito's. I think. Because the whole thing. I think at the beginning of the movie, they're still in Fisher's subconscious. Yeah, yeah. But when they wake up on the plane, I think it's actually Dom's subconscious. Like the whole time. Yes, Dom's. Because at the the very end of the movie, he when he like puts the spinning top on the table, it doesn't stop. Uh, we'll we'll get there, but with this first um, yeah. with this first interaction, uh, it's Dom's sub. They only go two levels deep, right? No, they go they what? go three plus limbo. So technically, not four. at the end in this first in this first intro bit. With, oh, with Mister with Mister well, with Saito. that is limbo. No, no. like not considering oh, that oh, part because oh. that's just a flashback. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So or a with, flash forward. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. flash forward to the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. This so, whole thing is fucked. But... Um, at this point yeah, in the movie, so it, the beginning, 
where uh, Cobb watch, washes up on the shore, and he talks to Saito. Uh, they that's are t- in Limbo. That's in no, Limbo? Yeah, when he's talking to Mr. Saito as Saito is old, that's like Limbo. So they're four levels deep. They're that four point. levels? But that's the flash forward. Yeah. Okay. When when DiCaprio is still young with the suit and like the nice hair, and then Saito is just regular Saito, not an old man, that's two levels deep. Okay. Is it just two so levels? It is because yeah, yeah. when they find him, then they go uh, and they wake up in that apartment. Yeah. Where Saito there's a mob. Find, he's like, oh, that means I'm not actually in my apartment. I don't know why I'm doing the voice. I apologize. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he like gets thrown on the carpet so, and he's like this isn't wool yeah this is polyester and i'm like oh but yeah i uh it's been a while since i've seen this movie and i forgot that yeah the intro is technically a dream within a dream already so yeah. they're two levels deep when leonardo dicaprio is just like capping people and like you see the water coming through like the the uh the little hall that they're in or whatever yeah because yeah. the kick that was pretty cool because of the kick. So, kind of going back, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who is, you said Dom. Yeah, I his name is Dom. Dom. Dom Cobb. Dom Cobb. I, didn't, Dom Cobb. I, I don't think. Dumb name. whole bunch of dumb names I think it's in supposed to be like Dominic Cobb, but that's still kind of bad. Anyway, Dirty Dom is uh, okay. talking yeah, to I, Saito. I literally, I, in my notes, I have Dirty Dom and the boys. <laughs> that is what I call the group, Dirty Dom so, and the boys. Dirty Dom is talking to an older Saito. Yeah. And Saito is saying what exactly? He's like, have you come here to kill me? And he's like, has his hand on the handgun that they brought him. That is uh, Dom's. And I forgot what he said back. He's just like trying to get him to fulfill this promise, which we'll wrap back around to at the end of the movie. Oh, then, well, they don't even mention the promise, though. Yeah. He, like, moves his hand he's from the gun about to the, the spinning safe. top, and he's talking about the spinning top, like, and the last one he saw, last time he saw one. And Dom's, oh, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dom's talking about the, I think they're talking about the safe. They're looking for the safe. Well, that's when it changes back. Yeah, that's yeah. when it changes back, because they're looking for the safe that has the secrets of uh there's that one corporation that's trying to get uh all the information Cobal engineering yeah 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 Cobal. also a stupid name yeah a whole bunch of really dumb names i dislike your dislike of the name ariadne though ariadne is also dumb why and i can't tell you uh uh uh, what joseph gordon levitt's character's name is still can't tell you oh it it is (laughs) it's arthur yeah that's stupid arthur fisher What's that? No. No, 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 no. Fisher no, no. is, well, Maurice Fisher is the dad that dies, and Robert Fisher is the subject. Yes. Played by Pete Postlewaite, by the way, who I believe is the second time that I've mentioned him on this podcast. Maurice? Yeah, Maurice is okay. Pete Postlewaite. I thought you meant Robert, and I was like, sir, that's Cillian Murphy. <laughs> is it Cillian or is it Killian? I don't know. <laughs> I think yeah, it's I- Robert. Anyway, but no, um, Pete Postlewaite, he was actually the uh, hunter in uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park, if anybody has seen that. I know Xandra probably hasn't, Dakota. Okay. No, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just I've seen several of here. the Ju- Jurassic Park movies, but I don't remember which ones. The new the ones. The one where they go to San Diego, like nope. where the dinosaur is like on the mainland in the U.S. Nope, there's only the one, and it was the original, and that's the only one that exists. 
Sorry. Is that Shut redheaded lady? The second one is freaking amazing. Shut up. That's dumb. That's low-key my favorite one other than the first one. The first one is the only one. Everything after it is a mistake. And uh, the opening to Fallen Kingdom is the best open in the entire series. Okay. Just cap. throwing that out there. I'll, pu- I'll, put a, I'll put a cap with an asterisk right beside it because I don't – I have mixed feelings about it. But I need you guys to like make me a list of movies to watch. Uh, the Big it, Short, really Not way right too now. many. So the Big Short, really way too many. Scott Pilgrim. We don't. I've seen Scott Pilgrim. Okay. I'm not a fucking. Yeah, I'm not whatever. A, I'm not a fucking moron. All right. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> I've seen Scott Pilgrim. It's like you've seen Scott Pilgrim, but you haven't seen Castaway. Where are your priorities, yeah. man? Uh, Shutter Island. You need to see Shutter Island. Yeah, I've never but we seen have. Shutter Island so make life. sure to go back and watch our PGTV at the movies Shutter Island episode, which was before our last episode, which I forgot the name of. One thing that I do want to talk about though is uh, the gun training that they got Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie is top tier. Like I don't know if you guys noticed, so he's got like his little pit his uh, uh pistol, right? And it's got a silencer at the end of it so as to not like alert yeah. the other projections in the dream of what's going on. And he's running around and he's like killing people, but instead of just regular like killing them with like just like shooting them, he's also covering the barrel of the silencer so as to minimize the flash. Mm-hmm. So that way the people across can't see the flash happening and so not only are they not hearing it, they're not seeing it. I thought that was really cool, and it took me until I watched it back this last time to kind of see what was happening. Really, really nice detail. I definitely appreciated that. Um, so, yeah, as we said, the the open where they're, uh, Saito's young and they're, like, trying to extract all this information is a dream within a dream. Yes. And um, that's Cobb where... and Arthur are actually posing as, like, security. They're like, yes. your thoughts are vulnerable to extraction, and we're here to pr- provide our services to you. To keep your dreams safe, that's like the first part where they're meeting an old. Well, they're psycho. like trying to sell us sell their services. Yeah, they're, they're trying to sell their services. Posing as security that comes later, and that's also where we first meet the character of Maul, played by uh, a character who, uh, an actress who I, uh, Marion Cotillard. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> me but, to uh, myself that... at three in the morning. <laughs> you stupid yeah. piece of shit. Die. No, I thought you were saying me, me to myself at three in the morning. It's okay, different. DJ. Okay, whatever. Do you need a hug? No. So Maul sure? shows need up. A loaded gun. No. Okay. So anyway. So Maul shows up and uh, just randomly, right, as kind mm-hmm. of like a, a femme fatale character within this dream, right? And at one point she has a gun to Arthur, thank you, Arthur's head, and is about to shoot him. And... Uh, DiCaprio's like, oh, well, you know what will happen if you shoot him. And she's like, no, of course, if I shoot him, he'll wake up, and then this will all be for nothing. But pain is in the mind. And then she just shoots his kneecap and shoots him again at one point. And so she's just, like, torturing him within this dream. He's feeling everything because you can your pain receptors mm-hmm. still work. But if you get killed in a dream, then you wake up, and then, you know, you're useless. So Dom bum rushes the table, jumps on it, and kind of like Mission Impossible grabs the gun and shoots Arthur square in the head so that way Arthur can get back to waking them up, right? Which at this point in the movie, if you've never seen it, you're like, he just killed that guy, and then Arthur wakes up, and that's where you get the main premise of the movie. Well, before that, you start to suspect it's a dream, though, because when uh, 
Dom and Mal first see each other, they go into like this room and she's looking at a painting and she's like, so we're in Arthur's dream, yeah? Yeah, like you get the point it's a dream, but this is where the thought of a dream within a dream starts to take place. Yeah. Like a but I don't think anyone's like, oh, fuck, he just killed him. Well, like, yeah, if you're like watching the movie and you're just like, oh, you just killed that guy and then he wakes up, you're just like, oh. So I will say the first time that I watched this movie, I was really, really confused for like the first 20 minutes. Really? And then it just started all making sense. It took me up until like maybe the second time watching it again to be like, oh. And really, it wasn't until this last time when I was like, oh, that open was a dream within a dream just because, I mean, it had been so long since I'd seen it anyway. So it was almost like I was watching it for the first time with new eyes. But um, yeah, so you're... The reality that we are met with at the beginning of the movie is that um, Saito, Dom, and Arthur are three people that are actually on a train uh, heading to Kyoto in Japan. And they have like this guy with them who I swear to God looks like the kid from Tropic Thunder. If you got, has anyone here seen Tropic Thunder? Yeah, but it's been forever okay the guy that he is like the ringleader of the flaming dragon like the kid with the tattoo on his chest i'm almost positive that it's that actor but i could be wrong um so please feel free to correct me uh, if anybody gets that figured out but um so they're on a train heading to kyoto and they're trying to get uh this information from saito they aren't able to get it and so they kind of like get out before saito wakes up Saito wakes up and they have like their companion there who is just kind of like pretending like he's just a, a regular guy. Well, DiCaprio runs to the bathroom and um what? hold on. Oh goodness. And no, yeah. DiCaprio uh runs to the uh wait a minute. No. I think my notes are a little bit funky. Xander, yeah. where are we at after he... after they wake up in Kyoto? We so he gets off the train and then we see Saito wake up and then it cuts to uh Dom in like a living room area, I guess in like a hotel or something. And that's what it is. Yeah. Um and he's like They didn't basically they about didn't to shoot himself. Yeah, they didn't accomplish the Yeah, He's the like mission. holding the gun and he's just like pissed off. He's like waiting for someone you can tell. And then he gets a call from his kids. Yeah. And you start to read, that's where I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but like, that's where I realized that Dom was about to like shoot himself in the head. Like if that top had, that's what I think. He spins the top. And if that top hadn't stopped, he would have shot himself. And then his kids called. So I, I feel like once the top stopped, he puts the gun down and immediately he gets the call from his kids. And that was like watching it back. I'm like, oh, he might have been like still am I in a dream? Like he's losing his grasp on reality. Yeah, kind you're of right. the same way that it happened with Maul. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. But so he gets a call from his kids. And then what, what, what else? So the call is disturbing for him. Like he's happy to hear from his kids, but his son is like, where's mommy? Which is so sad. So dark. And then like, the daughter oh is God. just like, Grandma says you're never coming home. Yeah. <laughs> like just a kid, a teenage kid, you know? Yeah. And uh, the, the grandma's like pissed off and she's like, get off the fucking phone, kids. Say goodbye. And then Arthur shows up and they're like talking about disappearing and stuff, going up to the roof to get on a helicopter. And then they bring up... Uh, Nash, the long-haired dude that was on the train with them and, like, in the dreams. That's his name. Okay. Yeah, that's the character's name, Nash. Yeah. 
Uh, which I just realized where I recognize him from, which is an episode of Criminal Minds. Um, I like the whole time I was watching that first part, I was like, "Why the fuck do I know this man?" This this might uh, you guys might not know who this is, but I thought it was just DJ Qualls with a tan. And no, uh, <laughs> that is not DJ Qualls. How dare you? <laughs> no, it took me a second. I was like, "Is that DJ?" But no, it's no. not. Um. So yeah, once they're in that helicopter, uh, Saito is also there, and yeah. they take Nash away because, and they're like, "So are you gonna kill him?" And he's like, "I am not going to do anything." No, uh, but... Saito was like, "I'll let you guys kill him. Like you guys can deal with he's it like, for no betraying you." And yeah, Dom's like, "That's not how we handle things." Which like whatever. Yeah. And then <laughs> they like take him off. I think he's implying that they're taking him to Cobalt Engineering. So that yeah, Koble can kill him. He, he's like, yeah, Koble will. I cannot speak for what Koble is going to do to him. So yeah, implying that Koble is probably going to kill these people before they take him or before they like just disappear into nothingness. Saito is telling them like, basically, hey, we're going to take you to the airport, all this stuff, and uh, you're going to be able to get on a plane and go wherever you need to go. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they get to the airport, they're like, okay, cool, thanks for this, but we're not going to help you steal. Oh. Because they tell him, they're like, what What do you want? Yeah. And it's like, Inception. Uh, it's they say the title. Yeah. It's revealed that, like, Saito, had, the operation was more of an audition. So he shows up and yeah. he's like, I wanted to see if you guys you can, like. you also take notes? Yeah. Aw. Aw. So it's like, he's just like, I wanted to see if you guys had the stones to do what I need you to do. And yeah. Cobb is like, what do you want us to do? And he's like. Inception, is it possible? And, like, Arthur's just like, absolutely not. It's not possible because, and he uses this great elephant, um, like, example where he's like, if I tell you don't think about elephants, what are you thinking about? And Saito's like, elephants. elephants. He's like, yeah, but I didn't make you, yeah, but you knew that thought wasn't yours. I told you to think that. That's why Inception doesn't work. And so for those who may or may not probably don't need an explanation. Inception is planting an idea into someone's mind that they believe is their own so that they like think it's like their own mind. It's a genesis of an idea, whatever. And so Arthur's like, no, it's not possible. And Cobb's like, yeah, it's it's possible, but, you know, why why do you care? And he's like, Saito's like, basically my corporate enemy or competitor, uh, like he's going to, the CEO's going to die and he's going to give it to his kid. And I want the kid to break up the company so I can. Because they can no longer afford to keep them from taking over, like, the whole energy Global sector. energy, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, I want you to put the idea of breaking up this company into the air of the company's brain. And I want you to do that. And so they they kind of agree. They're like, okay, that's cool. Um, well, they don't yeah, agree like, until he's that, like, I can get your charges dropped. Yeah, he's like... Yeah, because well, he doesn't even say that. He says that he can get him home. Well, yeah. yeah, Because yeah, yeah. we don't learn about any of the charges or any of the murder or any of that stuff, or not even murder, but, like, acute accusations of murder until, like, the second act. All right, but when he said that, I was like, oh, Dom is, like, on the run. Sa Saito yeah, basically yeah, 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 says, yeah. I can get you to see your kids again. You can go back home and see your kids. And uh, Cobb's like... Oh, word? Deal. word deal. And Arthur's like, kind of looks at him like he's crazy. He's like, "What the fuck did you just say?" He's like, "It's not possible." But he's so loyal, he's gonna do it anyway. Yeah, Arthur's a loyal yeah. boy. That sounds weird. He's like so, a little doggy. But anyway, so he is such a puppy dog. 
he, he does have big Labrador energy. Yeah. But anyway, but, okay. So they from go, there they go to Paris. Yes, they go to Paris to meet uh, Dom's dad, Michael played by uh, Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Michael Kane. I'm Kane. sorry. It's actually I, not... I have dropped. I have dropped my eight ball. You know what's funny? It's actually not his dad. It's his uh, dad-in-law. Which uh, that's what I thought, but I was not certain whose grandfather he was or whose father he was to be the kid's he? grandfather. Which is crazy because if you think about like the end of the movie and the entire story as a whole, his father-in-law would be a very like decent character witness for his like Dom's trial because I'm assuming well, cause... everything took place like yeah, but like. It sounds like his father-in-law, if the, if it is his father-in-law, it, is. That he, it seems like he almost is responsible for Dom even going into, like, the thought process of trying to do uh, uh, shared dreaming to begin with. It almost sounds like he's half complicit in that whole thing, too. I don't even think it's that, though. I think, because, like, the thing that led to Dom getting these charges is him and Mal sh- like dream sharing and wanting to see how far they could go. Well, first things first. Not just let's like see. following the regular rules of or rules, guidelines, whatever of dream sharing. First things first, we've mentioned Mal a lot, but I don't know if we've talked about who Mal is. So do we want to save that or do we want to kind of talk about it now? Because we mentioned Mal a little his bit. His dead wife. It's his dead wife who keeps showing go. up in dreams. He always ha- I think we alluded to that earlier. Yeah, we did. But, you know. Leonardo DiCaprio always has a dead wife. He does always have a dead wife. Yeah, he always has a brunette love interest. Except in Shutter Island when she was blonde. But you know what's crazy? All the ones in this movie are like uh, over 28, you know? Over the See, over the, the age that screen, he finds desirable. On screen, it's a completely different thing. On yeah. screen, he has age-appropriate age love interests. Off screen, he's a little creepo. Yeah. Allegedly. But anyway, one, one, once we're in Paris, he convinces his uh, the I guess father-in-law. This was news to me that you heard on this podcast. You're I, welcome. I, this whole time thought it was straight up his dad, but um, yeah. So he convinces the father-in-law to uh, give him a student, essentially, to point out a student that's like very uh, good at uh, like I'm assuming it's architecture. Yeah, right. They need an architect, and um, they get Elliot Page, uh, who is playing the character of Ariadne. Hang on, I gotta say this banger of a line first. When Dom asks for someone for someone that was as good as he was, Michael Caine's all like, "I have someone better." Which, dude, you didn't have to do that. You didn't say it like him though. You gotta say it. I'm like not him. gonna do his do accent right now. You, I can't. Use, your, use yeah. the Cockney. It's like oh, I have someone better. <laughs> I have someone. That was be- not good. He's like oh, I have someone oh, better. He does not sound like yeah. that. Oh, I have you, someone you gotta, better. Oh, <laughs> do you want that? You gotta do. Better. Better. like, oh, I have Can someone better. On? So anyway, they um, he points out the student uh, whose name is Ariadne. Ariadne, and um, Cobb is introduced to Ariadne, and th- he basically has her do this test, um, which is really crazy, um, which is basically just solving a puzzle. No, it's a maze. she has to make a maze that or make a maze. She has two minutes to create a maze that takes at least one minute to solve. Yeah, and, and he keeps solving them in like two seconds, and he's like, "No, fucking try again. Give me something to work with." And then she and finally then she does eventually it. makes it into a circle. Yeah, and he's like, "That's better." 
He's like, and then we're it. off to the races. Now we now we're on to uh, the next uh, member of the team that nope. we're assembling. Which it, and wait, does next member? I think we're in exposition land once he yeah. explains the concept. So this is where we get. This is the ground rules for the movie. This is basically how it's set up. This is all the exposition, and it's basically Cobb walking Ariadne through all of the rules of the dream, which is. Crazy. So, do we want to go over the rules of the dream? Of the dream sharing and all that? Sure. Okay. So, first thing is you need a totem. First things first. Well, that's n- that doesn't come up at this point. Not at this point, but um, he, he, he uh, Cobb shows Ariadne. Arthur's the one that tells her about it. That is true. He shows, like, how malleable dreams are and how, like, you can construct your dreams and how you really don't... Uh, they wake up, you kind of dream right in the middle of a situation, and Cobb points out, how did we get to this cafe? And Ariadne's like, I don't know. And he's like, boom. That's dream. <laughs> why are you pointing Be- at before, me? <laughs> before we get there, actually, and, like, the reason why we're going back and forth, back and forth, is because there's so many little bits that happen before scene changes that end up being, in retrospect, a dream. So, all of what you just got done saying happens within a dream, but we don't know that at first. We think that there's just a simple scene change. What yeah. happened right before that is that uh, she meets Arthur, or uh, I guess uh, Ariadne meets Arthur, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Arthur tells her that the concept of dream sharing was actually developed by the military as a way for soldiers to practice killing without actually physically harming each other. So they could go in. I thought into, that happened after like a, they woke up from the first dream. That was then, before. That then was Dom's before like, give us five more minutes. No, that was before they went to the cafe because when they wake up, that's when he's like, oh, just give us five more minutes. And he's like, okay, cool. I think. What a side. We're great at this. You know that. Dude, we are awesome. Let me at double it. check so, my notes. But anyway. but anyway, so one thing that we do get is that five minutes in the real world is one hour in the dream. So that is how, like, because when you're sleeping, your brain is activity is actually going a little bit faster. So that's what makes uh, the time uh, oh, no. dilation happen. No, they're at the cafe first. The yeah. scene changes to the cafe. Then they wake up. Arthur tells her about the military shit, and then Dom's like, five more minutes, and they and, go back into a dream. And that's when, like, most of the exposition about how the dreams work takes place, yeah. how you can manipulate uh, the surrounding, like, do, uh, what is it? It's like physics and uh, illusions, um, like, with mirroring places. Cobb gets really upset because he's like, hey, I recognize this bridge. And apparently one of the big rules is you don't use... Don't create from memory. Don't create from memory. And then um, yeah, also... it's the easiest way to lose grasp on your reality. Yeah. And that was like the line. He says just use like details, not actual places. And also he talks about how the subconscious uh, works and how if you make yourself too noticeable, the subconscious will become more violent and more like threatening. So, like, all yeah, the people in the crowd will... Because all this is taking place... We already said it was in a dream, but it depends on whose dream you're in. So, this is all taking place in Cobb's dream. So, Cobb is, like... Imagine it's, like, a holder. He's holding the dream. And so... 
most of the NPCs, let's say, like the people in the dream, they're just projections of the subconscious. So it's like technically parts of Cobb, but he has no control over them because they are his subconscious. So as um, Ariadne is um, like manipulating the dream a little more, Cobb's like, hey, you got to like chill out because my subconscious is growing suspicious and they're yeah. starting to recognize you. And it gets to the point where basically this mob surrounds both of them to um, like basically take out uh, Ariadne. That's not it. We'll get there though. Um, and uh, it's actually Mal who comes out of the crowd and Cobb's like pleading with Mal and Mal stabs Ariadne and through the gut. Yeah. Just like straight up. And that's when Ariadne wakes up and that's when you realize, Oh, this was all a dream. Yeah. It, it it was a dream. And that's when Arthur's like, Hey, calm down. You're fine. You were in a dream. And I think when they explain the concept of a totem. Yes. And so so the totem is super, super duper important piece of information in the movie. Um, I'm going to let you two tackle this. What is a totem? Cause I don't know. A totem is a small object, preferably heavy, that only you know the exact feel of. It's what lets you know that you're not in someone else's dream. So no one is allowed to touch, hold, like, anything your totem, right? You are the only one that's allowed to hold it because you have to specifically know what it feels and looks like and what it does. Um, So uh, Arthur's totem is a loaded die. Uh, Cobb's totem is a uh, like that little spinning top that used to belong to Maul. We don't find that out until later in the movie. And uh, I don't think we ever find out of anybody else's totem. Ariadne um, makes a bishop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she makes a bishop, but that's like later. But um, I think but otherwise I think that, no one else. No yeah, one else I don't think Eames has one. Yusuf doesn't have one. I'm sure they have one. They just don't. You know what? Yeah, they just don't, you know they what? just don't talk about I it. I don't believe Saito would have one. I well, feel no, like because he's a tourist. He's a yeah. tourist, so yeah. he wouldn't he he wouldn't care. But also think about like the implication of that. He wouldn't know. He went into limbo, and then came out. So you got to think about the implication of not having a totem when going into limbo and then coming out. That's got to be crazy. Imagine like what happened to Mal happening to Saito. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Come on, DJ, get back in rhythm. So. We learn what a totem is from Arthur. Arthur also shows Ariadne. (laughs) Arthur shows uh, Ariadne the ropes of, Mm. you know, uh, creating all these, like, dreamscapes. Well, before that. Before that, though, Cobb does some more recruiting. Yeah, we get Eames, who is Tom Hardy. Yeah, they go to to Mombasa in India. Yeah, And I just want to say, I do love... Uh, Eames' relationship with Arthur. I they're like either beefing or flirting so hard, and I adore it. I think it's, it's very, so nice. They're burfing. They're burfing. <laughs> no, is that burfing? No. Yep, that's a term no. now. We burf on this show. What? So yeah, so what? Eames is a thief slash forger, which I thought meant like just you know handwriting and stuff. No, Eames is like basically an actor who will forge identities of people and basically mime them within someone else's dream. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see him be uh, Fisher's dad, Fisher's uh, uh, right-hand man. We see him be a woman, uh, like a hot girl at a bar. Yeah, it's his uncle. His uncle. It's like uncle or business partner. See, Uncle I don't Peter. know if it's – I don't think it's actually Uncle. I think it's one of those, like, he was around all the time when I was a kid, and so that's why they call him Uncle. But yeah. he's 
100% just like the right-hand man of his dad. Yeah. I don't think that they're actually related at all. Okay. But anyway, um, but anyway. Eames also uh, discusses how Inception really can work, but it's just got to be broken down in the smaller bits. And yeah, so they but- ultimately got to figure out like, okay, what's the, what's the main point you want to do? You want this kid to break up his father's company. That basically Fun. boils down to his relationship with his father being sour. So yeah. we got to worry. enough, DJ. You, what you said uh, is actually my next little point on here. I have the exact quote from uh, Eames. He said, you need the simplest version of the idea in order for it to grow naturally in your subject's mind. So it's like what you said, taking, I want to break up my father's company and then bringing it over to relating to the relationship between the man and his father. And then even further trying to seek that validation that he was never actually able to get. So it, it really speaks to like a, a, an emotional thing. And because and they always, they say at one point in the thing that it needs to be more positive instead of a negative emotion. So they can't just like do something to spite the dad. You're trying to gain the dad's favor. You're trying to have that resolution, that catharsis, because that's what ultimately drives the mind to want something more is to be able to gain catharsis from something. Yeah. And so during this, um, we finally, you know what, we're going to harken back to that scene in the hotel room with Cobb, which is why I think he was holding the gun. Cobb is being tracked by people. And so Cobb is spotted in this little cafe or bar or whatever with Eames by men at a bar. Well, yeah, he has a tail since he's in Koble's backyard in Mombasa. Yeah. Because Koble has a strong presence there. So I think, though, the gun that he had and he was spinning the top with was because he felt like Koble was coming after him after that failed job. Well, certainly, but I think I think uh in that particular scene it is more about his sense of reality. Rather than him being afraid that someone's gonna kill him. I think he'd be fine with that. I agree to disagree. Okay. I think I think cops a scared little boy kinda Kind of likes his mortality. But anyway, so we get this nice, we get like a nice action scene between. Big um, chase scene. Big chase scene. Nice action scene. Um, where Cobb. stuck between two buildings. Dude, that yeah. part was so fucking like, I'm talking like clenched butthole the entire time. Really? I was <laughs> cracking up because he's just like. Yeah, he's, he's just trying to get between these two buildings. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I think that if you just like, instead of trying to run at it straight. If you just turn to the side and like shimmy, yeah, I feel like you could shimmy through, and everything be fine. But no, he's just like basically trying to like break through the building. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like dude, just like hit it at a different angle, you'd be fine. Yeah, but eventually he gets free of there, and uh, there's another little shootout in a square, and then um, a car comes out of nowhere. And then kills, uh, uh, runs over a dude, and then what? The door opens. Cobb gets in, and it's Saito. Love so it. Saito is in Mombasa, and he's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I am protecting my investment." Why do you keep doing well, the voice? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. It, it's it's a thing. I apologize to anybody out there if uh, if your name is Saito. I, I do apologize. <laughs> um. So from there, they um they go back to the bar uh, that they beans. were just at. And Eames and um, Cobb decide that they need a chemist. They need a guy to create, like, the compound that they need to be able to do the shared dreaming. And so then they go meet Yusuf, which Yusuf in um, Mombasa is a sleep doctor 
who specializes in then this like dream state type deal right and he's developed a um chemical a compound that is of really really high efficacy and it gets people uh like in a very very deep uh uh state of relaxation to be able to get that sleep and he does um, say at most one point, uh most of his customers are older um because mm-hmm. they do want to like root what does he say he says like they can live hundreds of years under like yeah. a single dose of this compound and so most they go in through like this basement and they see all these beds with all these people laying on them and most of them i think were like senior citizens mm-hmm. um they were older and so he's like yeah they just come down here and they'll like sleep for like what like 10 10 three to four hours three to four yeah, hours three to the, four hours but it was 40 dream hours per day yeah so they're just like, it's like, what reality are you living in? Which, like, if something like that was accessible today. It's addictive. Like, I could see how you would be, like, just want to be there all the time. Yeah, but even as, like, lot- you're older, like, I totally would understand, like, hey, if you're, like, 80, right, and you're just, like, in pain all the time, right, you're, like, getting to that point, and you're just like, man, I'm going to knock out, like, three or four hours in, like, a dream world and, like, live for, like... 40 years and be in my prime and all that, man, like I yeah. would, if I was like that, I would totally do it. The old man that was the assistant with Yusuf, he said that uh, once you've been in a dream like that, it eventually becomes your preferred reality and that people don't come there to sleep. They come there to wake up because at this point they've done this for so long that the actual dream is their reality. Like that's what, like they're coming to get put, under but in their mind they're actually waking up in the world that they prefer to live in um one thing that i did notice have you guys ever seen team america world police yeah of course okay um leonardo dicaprio's character looks like uh he could have been gary like the real life gary from world police that is gary (laughs) i wish you didn't say that i wish you kept that information to yourself his acting is impeccable anyway so we move on from them trying to recruit Yusuf right to them finally putting the plan together yeah so Yusuf's compound is actually going to give more time than they're used to having Um, brain function is actually accelerated to 20 times normal and so when entering a dream within the dream the effect is then compounded so Three dreams is what the goal, what the plan is for this uh, heist. I guess it's not really a heist. It's like a reverse heist. They're planting something instead of taking it away. It's charity. Um, a what? It's charity. There you it go. Is. Um, hold on. There you go. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Um, so it's three dreams. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Three dreams, it's a week for the first level down, and then six months in the second level, and then ten years in the third. So that's, like, where it all is at, right? And one thing that I did write down here is that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is absolutely great at physical comedy. Like, that is one thing that is really highlighted in this movie, which I really enjoyed, Um like especially like the tipping and the falling parts mm-hmm. and his just like his dry uh like humor that he has he's just like he he plays the straight man very well 
And um, yeah, I just, I had to write that down on here because it was one of the things that just, it struck me because this is not a funny movie, but there are points where you will catch yourself laughing and it's always Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, or Eames. So, you what? Or Eames. Yeah, or Eames. Now, um, right around this time where they're like explaining like the concept of the kick and all of this stuff, which the kick is just like a thing that makes your uh, body feel like it's falling and then it wakes you up out of your dream state. Um, Fisher's father passes away, like for realsies this time. And his last words to Fisher were apparently, I'm disappointed, which is, uh, ow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um but at this point, then the plan has to like kind of ramp into gear. So um, they're trying to think like, okay, so the only way that we can have like so much as much time as we need is there needs to be a flight that goes from uh, like China to LA or uh, Japan to LA. I can't remember exactly where they're leaving from. But um, what they do oh, is was, they're like, uh... okay, cool. So now that the dad's died. Um, they're going to have to do like a funeral or something. So he's going to have to go back, like Fisher is going to have to go back to the United States, but Fisher is going to fly private. So what they do is uh, Saito pays someone to have malfunctions on the plane, right? Or to damage the plane or something to the point where then Fisher has to take a commercial 747. To be able to do that, they need to, basically pay off the pilot they need to pay off a uh, flight attendant they need to buy all of first class and uh be able to do all of that so instead of doing all of that what saito does is he just buys an airline when yeah. he said that he he was like less messy and i thought that that was hilarious um it's just like one of those things where it's like oh yeah i forget that these are just rich people doing rich people shit um but yeah, so he he buys an entire airline to be able to accomplish the task of this inception. And in all of that, there's uh there's these scenes where Leonardo DiCaprio's character Dom is getting um like he's testing out this new fluid that Yusuf has uh concocted. At one point, um he is just asleep by himself, completely unattended, and she shows up and like kind of fucks with him like gets in his dream that he's already having and this is where we start um where she basically is going through like the elevator of dreams that is Cobb's mind so at one point um she like gets found by Cobb and he's like kind of taking her on a tour of like his subconscious essentially Eventually, this is where we find out the issue um, that kind of has got Leo on the run. Uh, Zane, you want to take this one? Um, so when Ariadne is like on this tour with Dom, he takes her to a level that's like the house that they were raising their kids in. And he's like, explaining how like they got here what they were doing and stuff and she uh like leaves to go back to the elevator as he's talking and goes to the basement she bolts yeah man. she, she fucking got out of there it's like a comedy scene i think like the camera is on dom talking and then it just cuts down the hallway and you just see ariadne in the 
elevator, pressing a button, and he's just like, look back, and he's like, the fuck? And then it just yeah, cuts it, to this nice shot of uh, like her head looking at Dom, and he's running towards, and he she's like pressing the button as many it, times the, as possible. It's the Batman where yeah. like people are talking and they turn around and they turn back and he's gone. It was almost the exact same thing, and I thought that was really funny because this was again the follow up to the Dark Knight. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> Ariadne goes and she is uh, taken down to the deepest level of his subconscious where he has hidden the memory of the night that Maul passes away. So, essentially what happens is that Maul has uh, lost her mind in a way, right? And the elevator opens up to this hotel suite. And the hotel suite is the place where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and, or Dom and uh, Maul would spend their honeymoon. And there's just, it looks like there's been a struggle all over the floor. Like chairs are overturned, like champagne is poured all over the place, broken wine bottles and cups and stuff like that. And Dom walks through and that's where you're hit with this, uh, uh, What's it called? Realization. Like yeah. And they walk through and they see, or he sees Maul in the room opposite, like the outside, The like he gets to the exterior of the apartment. He looks out, the windows open, the blinds are open and everything. And he sees Maul sitting on the ledge across on like, the adjacent the, building, the, like the gap. Right. And she's just like talking all crazy. And, eventually she just jumps and he is not happy about that and yeah come to find out that she had that at this point then leonardo is telling uh uh, uh ariadne about everything and she mall apparently went and got herself cleared uh or declared um uh, like completely mentally fit and everything by three different psychologists like had all these tests done, wrote like uh, uh, like a statement saying that uh, Cobb had threatened her and that she felt like she was scared for her life and all of this stuff, basically framing him for her eventual murder, which was actually a suicide, and doing that so that way Dom would have no other choice than to kill himself as well, so that way that they could quote-unquote go see their children again. Because again, Maul is gone off the deep end at this point. She is off the reservation. So that happens, and um, then obviously um, the reason that Maul goes off the deep end is um, earlier in the story, uh, in a flashback, we see that Maul and Dom had been experimenting with some of like the compounds and some of like the dreams, and they eventually reached, they went too deep, and they found limbo, and so they had made an entire world down there, and. So what Dom said he had been there for like hundreds of years, or like a hundred years. It was just like fifty, fifty yeah, years or something. 50. But they were there for a long time, and so finally they woke up, and uh, like Dom is aware that he woke up to reality, but Mal doesn't think so. Mal thinks that she is still in a dream, and so that's why she has gone insane. She still thinks she's dreaming. She doesn't believe that her the re, our reality is real, that she's still dreaming, and that's what sets her over the edge is that she's wanting to wake back up to reality. That's why she's distant with her kids. She doesn't believe they're real. 
and Dom's trying to explain to her, well, this is reality. Our, you know, the totems did their thing and everything, and that's why they go on this honeymoon is because Dom's trying to kind of distract her and have a night out by themselves where they're not doing this whole thing, but Mal concocts this entire plan to set into motion, like forcing Dom, you need to wake up. We're still in a dream, and Dom's like, no, we're we're not dreaming. You need to come down, and that's when she kills herself, uh, sets him, frames him for murder, and that's why Dom is trying to takes this job at the end of the day so he can get back to his kids and... That's why Mal still haunts his dreams is because Mal killed herself because she thought she was dreaming. And so that kind of wraps up that story somewhat, but there's still loose ends. One thing that, like, you'll notice by the end of the movie is, like, Maul isn't doing anything, you know? This is all Dom. Maul is just a manifestation of Dom's grief and his uh, guilt toward everything that has happened, you know? And that's why she seems to always be like the antagonist is because deep down he knows that like he can't escape that, you know, it, it is a, it's very weird, but I, I, I really like that. So we move on to the plan. The, the, so the setup. We get, yeah. So we get into level one, which level one is just uh you know, normal city. But uh, Yusuf, or this is Yusuf's dream. And when they go under, uh, when they are in the plane taking off, uh, apparently Yusuf had too much champagne because he's not a good flyer. And because of that, he needs to go to the bathroom. And I think that that's really funny because that is why it's raining in the city. And not just it's raining. Like it's downpour. pissing rain. Yeah. What? It's pissing rain. Like it's yes, pouring. it's pissing rain. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> but at that point, um, they find almost immediately as soon as they get there, they are under attack, um, and that it, they come to find out that Fisher apparently has subconscious security um, because he is pretty into like the whole thing, right? Like he knows kind of what they're doing in a way, like he knows about the industry. And so he has had uh, his subconscious is militarized at this point. So they know what to look for and they know that there's somebody there. Um, As soon as Dom and Ariadne get in there, they get completely plowed by a train in the middle of what should be like downtown Manhattan, you know, which uh, that obviously should not be happening. But that is uh, Fisher's subconscious that they that they're uh, getting like you know jacked up with. Um, at that point, uh, basically, as soon as they're there, the whole thing is that no or not no one, but uh, Eames does not want Saito to go in there because he's essentially just a tourist. And Saito's like, if I'm paying you guys to do this, I'm going in there because I need to make sure that you guys actually do it. So <laughs> Saito gets shot almost immediately. Yeah, <laughs> and. He's like essentially fatally wounded and he's just like slowly dying. Um, but with uh, and they're about, actually Eames is almost about to kill him. And uh, Yusuf um, brings up an excellent point that the sedative yeah. they're using is too strong and that whoever is killed, because normally you can get out of a dream two ways you can either be kicked or you can either be killed. Those are the two ways to get your subconscious to wake up. And get out of a dream, but Yusuf goes, if you are killed, your subconscious won't 
be, you know, knocked back into reality, it may just fall into limbo, which we didn't really discuss, but it's unconstructed dream space. And so they go, killing him is not an option. We just kind of have to go through with the plan. And they realize that as the deeper they go into the layers, that Saito's pain will, like, subside. That he'll basically get better, but not really. So, um, anyway... Zans, um, there's this cool scene that they do where I think it's Eames uh, kind of cosplays um, as, not cosplays, he dresses up as Fisher's. No, it's so crazy you said it that way because that's how I wrote it in my notes. Are you serious? Yes. So, I thought you were reading my notes. So Eames cosplays as Fisher's, like, uncle. Yeah. Yeah, Peter Browning. And, um... Uh, First, he hears him, like, yelling from another room as, like, uh, Arthur and Dom are interrogating Fisher. Yeah. And then they're like, you know who, or that's, like, good authority or whatever is what they're calling him because they're trying to get, like, a code to a safe. And he's just like, Uncle Peter. And then they bring him in, and he's, like, all beaten up and shit. And they're talking back and forth about, like... Uh, his father's, like, second will that would, like, dissolve the company and, like, how Robert's dad never wanted him to uh, follow in his footsteps or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And then, like, the people start to converge and they have to leave. Yeah, so they get in the back of this van and it's, um, I think at this point, if I'm not mistaken, we're in Yusuf's subconscious yeah, this yeah. is use of dream, dream level one is use of subconscious. So they descend into the second level of the dream, all in this van. They set each other up. So the only person who doesn't go is Yusuf, who is still driving this van. So while everything is happening in this story throughout on a, like a linear scale, you also have to go back up into this first dream level where Yusuf is currently evading this militarized force that is chasing him through the city. Mm-hmm. So in this second, that, that impacts the rest of the dreams, kind of like uh, like a domino effect. Yeah, and so the second level, which I believe is um, Arthur's subconscious, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, is in a hotel lobby. Um, this is where Eames actually uh, cosplays as that girl uh, flirting with um, Fisher. Fisher, and yeah. this is where it's actually kind of like a callback. I guess this is like a con that. Cobb does often, which is Cobb poses as a security like expert, helping Robert say like these are these are extractors. They're trying to get information from you. We need to know you've you've we're here to. This is like a I don't know how he's put it. I don't know if he said it was like a training exercise or if he's like it's a gambit. It's a gambit. They call it yeah. They call it the Mister Charles Gambit, where basically what uh, what Dom is going to do is he's going to tell Fisher, hey, just so you know, you're dreaming, and there are people here that are trying to get information from you. There are extractors, but I am your head of security, and so I'm trying to save you. And so basically, getting Fisher to turn on his own subconscious by joining uh dom so it's actually pretty cool and it almost doesn't work it gets thwarted a couple of times or well attempted to be thwarted a couple of times by uh uh dom's own subconscious like he gets his memories of his kids uh james and philippa 
uh maul shows up at one point in like a little flash and stuff so he's having to like shake all this stuff and then continue to keep like the the story going which uh you know it's definitely nail biting that's where you get the uh the meme of leonardo dicaprio squinting that's where that meme comes from Mm. uh i thought that was pretty cool i hadn't seen that in a long time i had honestly kind of forgotten about the meme but um yeah so here is um from there once they get kind of fisher on his side and they're like okay cool so we're gonna get you up to this hotel and all this stuff when they when they get first off the fake number that uh fisher gives them when he's being interrogated in the first level that those six numbers are the numbers that the girl then gives fisher as her phone number that uh dom is like oh hey and just so you know that number's probably fake unless she only has six digits in her number and then you look and it's the same number that fisher had given them earlier which also if you break it up since it had that hyphen in the middle those are the two room numbers that they end up going to in that dream so that number kind of all comes back and it's also the combination of the safe at the end of the movie yeah yeah, so, so it, it, it's kind of neat. It's like a little callback, call-forward type deal that happens there. Yeah, I think it's um, more of a process. They're trying to like – it's a mental safe, right? So it wouldn't have yes. a combination. So they're trying to like prep him by giving him these numbers and basically trick his subconscious into unlocking the safe of his mind by using these numbers that they've been programming into him. I find that very yep. a very nice detail. It does feel – now that you mentioned it, I think a heist movie was in the right wheelhouse. I never thought about it that way, but a heist movie makes like a ton more sense. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, happens after this whole uh, this whole thing where, I mean, like there's obviously there's like shootouts and like uh, Fisher's subconscious is like trying to get Dom and all this stuff, but Dom is protecting Fisher and everything. Well, Eames actually impersonates Browning at this point again, and um, they all unravel a completely made-up plot, um, accusing Browning of actually being in charge of the original kidnappers from the first dream, um, while Fisher is unaware that they were actually his own subconscious and are Dom and all of these guys. So, again, this is just further getting Fisher on Dom and uh, Dirty Dom and the boys' side. So... From here, in level two, now we start getting flashes of them going to level three. Level three is this, like, snow fortress in the middle of the Alps, I think. Um, And and that's really all that we see. But now we get flashed back to level one, where Yusuf is being chased by motorcycle guards and it ends up getting run off of an embankment, which shifts the gravity all around for level two. This is where you see that like iconic shot of Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the middle of like a rotating hallway where he's just like suspended in the middle, which I think is one of like the coolest shots in all of cinema because that was done 100% practically. Um, Christopher Nolan basically created a fake hallway, capped off the sides of it, suspended these guys in like wire harnesses, and twisted the entire hallway and the camera to be able to get all the weird shots of them kind of like moving back and forth. If you've ever seen like the behind the scenes featurettes of this, it is so cool. 
to watch like this whole process taking place because it's just it's really neat the lengths that uh christopher nolan and uh, syncope and warner brothers went to to make this movie actually like this legit i thought that was really cool so um from there now we can we're gonna move forward a little bit yusuf has to make the bridge jump because he's uh, like in the middle of like a shootout and everything which I do think it's really cool at one point after he run, rolls off the embankment and survives. I think it's really funny because he like turns around and looks at everybody. He's like, oh, guys, did you guys look at that? And everyone's still asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, hey, I'm like, I did a cool thing, but like literally nobody saw it. I thought that was really funny. But um, anyway, so Ju- Yusuf has to make the uh, bridge jump early to avoid getting killed, which only gives uh, Dirty Cobb and the boys about uh, an hour to finish uh, the mission, yeah, yeah. What? Dirty Cobb. You yeah, Dirty Cobb. You, Dirty Cobb and the boys. Yeah. Um, but, Which, by the yeah, way, the kick him... is actually like he. It's interesting. He plays this music beforehand. He puts these uh, headphones on uh, Arthur. Yeah. And so throughout the second dream, while the gravity is altering, you're hearing in the background this song that is just kind of out of place, but it's not. Yeah. Which is also... It's reflective of Dom's subconscious because its translation from French is I regret nothing at all. Yeah, and it almost does sound like Marion Cotillard. Like, if you just, like, close your eyes and think about it. But it also is in French, so it might that might be skewing my opinion a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, at this point, we're in the third level, which is Cobb's subconscious? No, it is... Eames. Eames. Which, Eames, what the fuck is this dream, dude? Well, I mean, it was a... It's basically an episode of G.I. Joe. It's really, but Eames didn't design it. It was, um... Ariadne designed, like, the map. But she wasn't like, yeah, this is going to be Snowy Alps. That's the subconscious filling it. So there's currently five people. We're missing Arthur and Yusuf. So it's Cobb, Ariadne, um, Saito, who is still injured, but not as badly... Um, and yeah, it's like he, he's slowly, he's less Ames. injured in every subsequent level and it takes him longer to die. But in the first level, he's basically hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they're hearing the music from the kick in the first, uh, level. So they know how they have limited time. So they finally get into this, um, they find the way to get into the fortress and, um, all this is happening Yusuf is still falling off the bridge at a slowed pace because of how time works. Arthur is hurrying to set up a kick in the hotel due to the gravity, which it's by an explosion. He moves them into an elevator and sets explosive so it simulates a fall. Yeah, it blow, he blows the counterweight in the elevator to make the elevator rush to one, to I think the top is where it rushes to. I thought that was really a fun way to get by the not having gravity. Cause I think that's like one of the few things that I remember hearing about in like a science class, that that was like one of the ways that you can like simulate a weird uh, gravity anomaly. Anyway. Did you have something to say? No, it's okay. Um, And so while all this is happening, um, they finally reach this like strong room, but Fisher is shot dead. And so you finally get to what I would call the climax of the story because it kind of is um, where Ka, like they think that it's over, but um, uh, Ariadne has like this idea that they 
because I think what they say going two layers deep is dangerous. Going three is very dangerous, right? Like I think that's said throughout the movie that they're going three layers deep, which is incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Ariadne Desat convinces like Cobb to go one layer deeper to try and save Robert and try to save the mission. And also uh, Saito dies um, uh, when Eames places like some explosives around the fortress to act as like the kick for the third layer. And so finally, Cobb and Ariadne decide to go down to the fourth layer, um, which is like this crumbling city, right? And that actually turns out to be the cityscape that Cobb and Mal built. Yeah, all the it's, way it's limbo at this point. All yeah, and that fifty years they spent in limbo. And so this is where we get the kind of revelation about what happened between Cobb and Mal that made Mal go insane. And it's that Cobb knew Inception wasn't was possible because he incepted uh, the idea in Mal that the limbo was not real, mm-hmm. so that she would wake up and uh, be with their children. Which, by the way, that's got to be heartbreaking to incept like someone like someone with that much trust and love, and you're going in and kind of like perverting their mind in a way. To do what you yeah. want. Like, that's it, got to be taxing, not only on Mal, but on Cobb as well. Yeah, because, like, I can see it from both ways. Like, how dare you manipulate my mind? But at the same time, you can't just be living this dream forever. Like, eventually you have to get back to reality, right? But it's like, Cobb didn't incept the idea knowing that Maul was going to lose grasp with reality once she got back to real reality. He was just trying to get her to lose grasp of Limbo as her reality. And he just didn't know that that was going to happen until he it happened. Um, I don't know if you would know this show, JP. Uh, Zandra, do you remember like an animated show all the way back on, like I think, Cartoon Network called uh, Young Justice? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember uh, there's a point in the second season where Superboy and Miss Martian are dating, but... Um, like, at the end of the first season, they're dating. But uh, when you start in the second season, they've been broken up and they're kind of bitter towards each other. And you don't figure out until halfway through the um, second season that uh, the reason they broke up is because Miss Martian, who, like, Martians in the DC universe, they can read minds and alter how people think. Miss Martian, uh, like, went into Superboy's mind to try and fix something. I can't remember what, but, like try to do something in his mind to make him forget something, and Superboy found out, and he was, like, livid about it. And that, like, this whole thing about Mal, uh, Mal being incepted with this idea by Cobb made me think back to that and how, like, trust could have been broken between them. Yeah. But it is a pretty uh, wild thing to think about. But anyway, so, um, let's see, Zans, where are we? So That's we're, a, I'm uh, so sorry. I just like threw you into the wolves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I was sorry. not prepared. Um, let me see here. Okay. So, okay. So they meet up with Mal because Dom knows that she has Fisher because she's the one who actually shot and killed Fisher in the third level. Yeah. Oh, and he, they did that because he saw her hesitated and then she kills him and he immediately yeah. kills her after that. Yeah. And, uh, 
she's back at the house where they raised their kids. She's um, sitting there, and then he sits down with her, and she's trying to convince him to stay there with her. And he's like, you're just like a shadow of yourself that I created. Like, you're not truly you. I could never get you with all of your complexities and perfections and imperfections. And so... And I believe, isn't what, isn't Robert with them too? Yeah, he's like out on the porch, like tied up and stuff. And Yeah, he's like bound and gagged. Yeah. And so they're basically like, where is he? If if I, or Cobb says, if I agree to stay here with you, will you tell me where he is? And she says, he's on the porch. Uh, Cobb then tells Ariadne, go check and see if that he's still breathing. Uh, she goes out on the porch. They find that this is also on like the 50th story of some like high rise because, you know, dreams don't have to make sense. Right. So he is on the porch. Uh, she unties him and everything. She's like, he's still alive. And that's when um, uh, Maul is like, oh, now you get to stay with me. He's like, I'm not staying with you because you're that's and then that's when he delivers that line that you're just a shell of what my subconscious basically has created and then she stabs Cobb Ariadne sees this shoots Maul immediately and then um, throws Fisher off the ledge so that way Fisher can die in limbo and then come back to the third level of the dream I don't think it was already I don't think it was died because he must have been kicked because he was falling so I thought yeah, yeah. I don't think it showed him hitting so like, in the third level Eames hit the defibrillator okay and it's registering as a storm in limbo and that's when she throws him that's over. the cue to to yeah, throw him off so that kick. way he can get kicked back to the third level because gotcha. that's that's how they're going to ride everything is through that defibrillator basically and so when uh when ariadne shoots maul uh Cobb is like what are you doing and she's like improvising and then just throws fisher off the ledge and um then he, she's like, are you coming? And he's like, no, I still have to find Saito because he's dead now. So I have to find him here and bring him back or else this whole thing was absolutely for nothing for me. And um, yeah, and they still haven't done the actual inception of everything. They're just trying to get all the dead people out of limbo to be able to actually still finish the mission. So they kick Fisher back to the third level and he wakes up and now he is talking with Eames. And Eames is telling him, like, oh, well, now you can go into this, like, safe room and all this stuff. Well, he goes in, types in the same code that he gave in the first level, the number of the girl, the number of the, uh, the room numbers in the, the second level as well. And that is the code that opens up this huge, like, uh, blast door, basically. And what is behind it? His dead daddy. Well, not But he's dead. still alive. He's, not like, literally daddy. on death's doorstep. And basically... Fisher has to then relive the trauma of his dad dying, but it's like slightly different because obviously it's a dream. So at the beginning of the movie, um, Fisher had put this picture of him as a child, like with one of those little like pinwheels that he had completely made up, put it on the bedside table. And in one of like the dad's dying seizures, the uh, picture gets knocked off and breaks or like the, the glass breaks of the frame. Um, breaks on the floor we can tell that it's like really it's a very important picture to fisher but um it, you can tell that maurice fisher the old man had not really shown much interest they had had a really weird relationship and so in the dream in level three um 
Maurice is dying and he's like, I'm dis, dis. And then Fisher's like, I know, dad, you're disappointed that I couldn't be you. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm disappointed that you tried. And boys, can I tell you that your boy got emotional at that line? That was a rough one for me. But um, yeah, that happens. And then uh, Eames is like, move, or not Eames, uh, Maurice Fisher is like, move, 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 get out of the way. Goes and opens up the safe with the exact same code, mind you. Opens up a safe at the bedside, opens the door, and there is the last will and testament. But then underneath it, he pulls out the pinwheel that was in the picture. At this point, Fisher's shit gets all emotional, okay? He is ugly crying. He is Kim Kardashianing, crying, okay? And by the way, Cillian Murphy, fantastic job during this scene. Like, he produced snot during this cry. Like, uh, we'll get into, like, the overall overarching like and you know like thoughts of the movie but like everyone did a great job in this movie but Cillian Murphy can't cry on command no I can't cry on well I can but like it takes a minute you know like it it takes a while but I can (laughs) I can make myself cry (laughs) how long is a while I don't know like 10 minutes I've done it before (laughs) that's a long time to cry on command it you said command cry on delay yeah it's crying because I'm sad (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so uh, so Fisher's getting all emotional at the fact that he's like, oh, my dad and all this stuff, right? But Eames is just giggling his ass off in the background because he knows that the idea is there. Like, he knows that the idea took. He knows that the emotion is there. He knows that the idea is going to stick and that their mission is almost complete. So since Saito died... Cobb has to uh, go find him in limbo and then get him back so that way Cobb can get back into the U.S. upon landing. Because like I said earlier, if he doesn't do that, this whole thing was for absolutely nothing. So Cobb stays in limbo while Ariadne jumps to her death, which awakens her back in level three to be able to ride the kicks back to level one. And um, as Maul is dying, Leo's exp- or she's like, do you remember the day that you proposed to me? And he's like, yeah, of course. And she said, you said that uh, you wanted to, you wanted us to grow old together, and that's when he drops the line on her that they did. They lived in limbo for fifty years, and it shows back all the same scenes that we've seen before. But they are now old people, right? Which let's get this out of the way: the actors that they got to play Maul and Leo could have been better. Okay, there was not that level of height disparity <laughs> between the two of them. There was a little old lady. Hey, you and then shrink like a, as you age. You're, I love how you're like, it's a small role, but come on. Can we get someone better? I'm, I'm just saying, we, they don't have a single speaking line, and you don't ever see their faces. But, like, the the height disparity was a little bit off-putting. <laughs> That's but like whatever. the scene from Wayne's uh, World. Off-putting. It was just off. <laughs> but, um... So yeah, they did grow old together and as he promised and they were shown as they did. Then everyone wakes up in level one underwater, okay? So they wake up underwater as the van has like plunged into the river and everyone escapes the van except for Cobb and Saito because at this point in level one, Saito is dead and then Cobb is just unresponsive because he's still in limbo. So where is Cobb? Then we go back to the beginning of the movie limbo like we had just started oh wow so cool (laughs) (laughs) 
because <laughs> as we know with time it is a what flat is it, DJ? circle thanks dj a square um, <laughs> damn it <laughs> said it before you said dj i'm sorry so we go back to the beginning uh where now we have in context that they were in limbo that at that time um and that's where we put the beginning of the movie into context so saito is uh sh- they have that whole conversation. He's like, have you come to kill me? He's like, no, I've come to remind you uh, that this world is not real. And he's like, have you come to get me to fulfill the promise that I made to you? And then it goes quiet for a second. And you just see uh, Ka- or uh, Saito puts his hand on uh, uh, Cobb's gun that's on the table. And that's when Cobb wakes up back on the plane. He looks across the aisle. He sees Saito wakes up immediately right after that. And you see this look on Cobb's face where he's he's like two seconds away from jumping over there and killing Saito, in my mind. Because he's like, if yeah. you don't hurry up and make a phone call right now, I will kill you, yeah. essentially. That's like that's the reading that I got off of his emotions. And so Saito immediately wakes up and he's just like super groggy, but picks up like the airplane phone and he makes a call, which then allows Cobb re-entry into the country. Um, you see that through uh, the next scene is at customs and everything and uh, Cobb is getting like a push through and everything and he gives his uh, passport to the little uh, customs agent and the customs agent obviously takes a dramatic time to be able to stamp it but when he stamps it he's like welcome home Mr. Cobb Cobb looks over at the next aisle where Ariadne is looking back at him and she smiles and then he goes right into uh, the United States with and his, somehow uh, Michael Caine is there to yeah, greet him. Yeah, his father-in-law. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, so Cobb is walking past the. Before that, Cobb walks past the rest of the cast as everyone is just kind of like you know, like acknowledging each other, but not really saying anything because they know that this is the last time that they'll ever see each other, essentially. And um, he walks past uh, Fisher, who is also at baggage claim, and Fisher kind of like gives him a look like do I recognize that guy? But just keeps on like being on the phone and doing, you know, Fisher things. And that's when Cobb gets through the final arrival gate, sees Michael Caine and uh, they, they go on into, uh, into the world. Uh, From there, uh, Cobb then gets back home and he puts the little uh, totem, the little top on the table, spins it. And before he can see if it stops spinning, um, his kids, uh, call from around the corner and they finally turn around you haven't seen the kids faces this entire movie because Cobb wasn't able to see his kids faces well the kids turn around they take a look at him he forgets everything and immediately runs over to his kids picks them up they hug and embrace as the final shot in this movie goes it's looking at the table at the top still spinning it spins it spins it spins fade to black inception and that's how that movie ends so Xandra, you had said something earlier that uh you think that this is all part of dom's subconscious based off that last scene um either that or maybe his father-in-laws his father-in-laws yeah he's like expand on that your daughter dies and then your son-in-law is on the run leaving like your grandkids in your care and it's like wouldn't you want him to come home because you would 
he would know that he didn't actually kill his daughter. Yeah. So maybe he's in one of those, like, dens where a bunch of old people are dream sharing and this is his dream. Which I also have to say, the father-in-law works at a university in Paris. Cobb lands in L.A. Mm -hmm. at the airport. So is this old man making the trip from L.A. to Paris just to work? Or did his wife get left in L.A.? Like, I don't understand the dynamic there, like, at all. But the house um, where they were raising their kids has to be in the U.S. I don't know if it's L.A. necessarily. It might be Cobb's grandmother. And we know that the grandma was there because of the phone call earlier. What? Sorry, DJ was talking. We know that the grandma was there because of the phone call earlier. Yeah, yeah but is that Cobb's mom or is it explicit that that's... No, that's, that's definitely uh, Mal's mom because oh. she's French. You can uh, hear her accent. Well, they may have disagreed and that's what made them... That's what separated them. Cobb's... Uh, Mal's mom might have believed that Cobb did it and... Uh, no, you see him go on the run. No, like... Are, are we saying that um, Michael Caine's character is on the run as well? No. No, I'm saying... The reason why they're separated so much from, like, let's say, L.A. to Paris is that they just disagreed on what really happened between Mal and Cobb. Like, the grandmother, uh, Mal's mom, may have believed that Cobb actually did it. That's why she's so, like, cold towards Cobb and, like, the kids speaking to him. Meanwhile, uh, Mal's father, Michael Caine, is, like, understands, like, what happened because he understands how the dreamscaping works. And so... I, I think it may have just separated them. Like, it, the death of your daughter is probably something extremely traumatic that tends to separate uh, parents because of just how they grieve differently. I think she was being cold to him just because, like, he hasn't been home in so long. Well, does she know? Because, I mean, Michael Caine knows. His character knows. I'm I'm sure she knows he's on the run. Yeah. So, like, that may be it. But, um, actually, uh... I don't know that 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 whole thing's um kind of weird. Yeah, it, it's one of those. It's like it, it's it hurts my brain to think about. But one of the um, things I did see was that um I actually read this the other day that um in while Cobb is dreaming he has his wedding ring on, mm-hmm. but when he is in like reality he doesn't. So when he spins his top on the table for the last time he doesn't have his ring on. Yeah. So it, that's one of those things where it's like it does create a point that that was actually reality, that he did succeed and that he is home with his kids for realsies. But also, you know, there's plenty of other yeah. things. Well, that, that would also sure lend no. to it perhaps being the father-in-law's subconscious. I don't know. He had his ring on in other people's subconscious, I believe. Either way, uh, Chris Nolan has been interviewed multiple times about the end, uh, ending of this movie. And he said that he did that on purpose. Uh, he he knows the thing about the wedding ring. He did that on purpose. But he also left the top spinning as the last thing. So that way the audience could decide for themselves. I mean, this movie is 13 years old at this point. Or, yeah, 13 years old at this point, And we're still debating on whether or not it was real or it wasn't real. Yeah, and I feel like either which way. Yeah, I feel like either which way. 13 years, confirm it. Yeah, but like... Yeah. The mystery is kind of more yeah. interesting. Either which way, I feel like it leaves the movie up open to interpretation, and I like it that way. Because, I mean, we're still talking about it. 
I mean, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, did you guys enjoy the movie? Yes. Yeah, um, I, I definitely. It was a little too long. Liked. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's all Chris Nolan. No, all, all of Mr. Nolan's right. movies, they, they be long. <laughs> that's why I have beef with the Batman trilogy. Oh, oh, one of the reasons. Up. They're, They're so dark. good. The They're night. good, but like, they bore me sometimes. And they but get good. Um, so I think uh, does anyone else have any final thoughts while we're wrapping up uh, this episode? Yeah, uh, Chris, yeah, the entire cast did uh, very well. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, great. Tom Hardy, great. Elliot Page, great. Um, probably the unspoken hero of the movie because a lot of the plot does run through Elliot Page, Yusuf. Oh. Um, you know, uh, Leonardo. Div- DiCaprio is I almost, said, almost da, said Da Vinci. Yeah, Leonardo Da Vinci. Uh, DiCaprio. I mean, say what you want about him; he's a phenomenal actor. DiCaprio. I mean, every if acting uh, was anything less than subpar, you would have never noticed it. They all did a fantastic job. Christopher Nolan um, really did best what he does best, which is cinematography in this yep. movie. It was really good. The fighting was tight in the, this one too. The, yep. Um, for it being such a wild concept, it was really easy to digest. And even if you didn't get it on the first time, you definitely get it on the second time. And by this point, I've seen this movie maybe like four or five times altogether. And it, it has been a few years since I've gone back and seen Inception. So I was pleasantly surprised. I was very amused and entertained. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's a it's a really good movie. I don't know what our next movie should be. Um, but I do think that we're going to shelve the PG TV at the movies for at least a couple of episodes. Yeah. I, yeah. I need to, I need to give my note taken brain a, a break. We'll get back <laughs> to our regularly scheduled program here on PG TV, but this has been PG TV at the movies inception, right? I think we all had a good time. Did we all have a good time? Yeah. I had a great time. Great time. Did you have a great time? Sure. Wow. Not a lot of confidence there, but uh, if you do like this, um, leave a comment, give us a like, you know, thumbs up, five stars, do all of that. We do appreciate it if you want more PGTV at the movies or just PGTV in general. So, you know, any final things to say to the audience before we head out here? No? Thanks. Thanks for just Keep leaving me high and dry. Keep it crispy. All right. PGTV, JP, Daddy's Ands, DJ, signing off. See you next time. Bye. Bye.